So, here we go. Back at it. Thank you so much for coming back. It's such a nice day today. I swear I'm always so surprised everyone shows up. It's delightful every time. It never gets old. I always think like, oh, it's such a nice day. Who wants to be on Zoom? And here we are on Zoom. It's great. A couple things I wanted to mention before we continue our journey into the past. One is just about Donna. Um, we are making a change that some people have asked for, which is we are going to be allowing those who are participating in monthly recurring donations to PIMC to do it in honor of a particular group. So in the future, you'll be able to make your donations to any of the groups you attend to, which we have not been able to do in the past, and numerous people have asked us to be able to do that. So we finally figured out how to do it, and we will be doing that. So in the future, um, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, in the meantime, if you are not already giving monthly, if you come to this group and your heart is called to do so, please donate a few digital coins into the Donable. Molly puts up the Acceptiva link in the chat box every week. Um, so if you could do that, that is greatly appreciated. Another thing I wanted to say, um, this was sort of a disclaimer I mentioned last week. And I always think I should say this because both personally and professionally, whenever we talk about the past, I think it's important to remind ourselves about self-care. Because even though this is a teaching environment and I'm teaching frameworks about how to process past stuff and we're doing some Dharma theory, I know from experience that if there is past intense things such as trauma or just intense things, right? We all got stuff going on. Um, car accidents, divorce, illness, aging, all kinds of stuff. Um, it can be triggering. So just be mindful of how your heart and mind respond as we talk about the past today, which we'll continue doing. I always like to remind people um, of that. And I also wanted to remind you that when I'm teaching in this format and I'm giving basically lenses or frameworks for understanding things, I am, of course, giving generalizations, and I'm certainly not trying to diminish or minimize your personal experience, because I know these types of things have to be customized to what you're experiencing and what you've had in your life. And so I just want to let you know that I do do understand that as we as we move into talking about some of this stuff, and just take care of yourself along the way. I understand how it is my own self. So wanted to say that. Bringing us up to speed. So today is the third part in this series that began with this discussion of the power of presence. And it came off the backs of several weeks of talking about engaged dharma. So I wanted to reground us in some practical dharma theory here, just about the power of being awake and aware to the present moment. So I'm going to tie in the first couple weeks, even though if you haven't heard those talks, doesn't matter. You can get them on the podcast and tonight's talk will be independent um, so it'll be fine, but for those of you who have been here, let's pull this all together. So the first week we talked about the interconnectedness of past, present, and future. And the reason I mentioned that when we started is because it's really common for students, for meditators, to ask the question, how do I set goals in my life or take time to heal from the past if the goal is just to be present? It's a great question, right? Because so much of our training is present moment, present moment, mind wanders, bring it back to the present. In our meditation, we don't really allow the mind to wander into the future or the past. We tend to bring it back 
to presence. So how do we reconcile that paradox? We reconcile it by realizing that the past is just a remembered present and the future is an imaginary present. That the past and the future are just dimensions of the present moment. So we're, even though we're working on the present moment, we are actually learning to become present so we can, in fact, understand and heal from the past. And for the fact that we can plant seeds in the present that will awaken us to a future that's filled with grace and ease and compassion and joy. So when we're working on the present or working in the present, we are also in direct contact with the past and the future, always. So we're working on all three all the time when we're doing Vipassana practice. It just depends where our focus is. So the power of presence in part is that that's where we awaken and plant the seeds for our future in deep present moment awareness. And that is the place that we dig down and discover the relics of our past. That is how we do it. We get into and explore the present moment. Another thing to be aware of in that regard is that when we think of the past and we imagine our future, it is partly determined by our present moment mood. So if I'm in a really good mood and I'm thinking about my future, what do you think happens? I'm thinking I'm going to be successful and my relationships are going to go well and I'm going to pay off my school loans and the pandemic, we're going to have a vaccine, all of these wonderful things. But if I'm in a really bad mood or if I'm sick or tired or fatigued or haven't eaten lunch or something and I'm thinking about the future, I might be thinking, oh my God, the pandemic's going to go on forever. I'm never going to get out of debt. It, the future is envisioned from the present moment qualities of heart and mind. Same with the past. When we remember the past and we process the past, we do it from the heart-mind qualities that we're experiencing in the present moment. If we're not feeling so hot, we tend to remember a lot of negative things about the past. If we're in a good mood, we tend to remember the past in a very different light. Ever notice that there might be maybe an acquaintance that you have? When you're in a bad mood, you tend to remember the way they wronged you. But maybe if you're in a better mood, you remember a good time that you have with that person. The present frames the recalling of the past and the envisioning of the future. That's why the present is so powerful and why present moment awareness in its cultivation is so important. Being able to get in touch with heart-mind qualities affects the way we recall and the way we imagine and envision and how we show up in the world. So that was our first week. And the second week, we talked about the first noble truth. We talked about how if we're going to go into the past through the present... We need to first acknowledge that there is suffering, that when we enter into the present moment, more than likely, the first noble truth is going to rear its head and say, wow, there's a lot of dukkha in the world. There's been a lot of dukkha in my life. There is stress and unsatisfactoriness and discontent. And if we are not ready for that, if we're not ready and awake and aware and committed to embracing and leaning into the fact of suffering, we tend to push the past away. We tend to bury it further. We tend to have the mind wander in a different direction. So if we are going to explore the beauty of the past and heal from it, the first thing we need to do is really begin to accept the first noble truth, which is that suffering happens. Dukkha is present. Sickness, aging, death, dissatisfaction, discontent. This is a part of the human experience. So we talked about that. And we also talked about the good news, which is that there isn't just one noble truth. 
There's four noble truths. The first noble truth says that there's suffering, but the second and third noble truth says that there is a cause and cure for suffering. If it was just the first noble truth, then we'd have some serious difficulties, right? This path would be dark and this path would be very uncomfortable. No one wants to walk a path that simply says, there's a lot of suffering and there's nothing you can do about it, good luck. No one wants to do that, right? We want a path that says, hey, there's suffering. That's gonna be a challenge. We can honor the suffering and there's a path out of suffering where we can heal and know joy, happiness, and compassion. That's a path we wanna walk. So we accept the first noble truth with its challenges, knowing that the human heart and mind is built in such a way that freedom is possible. What, what amazes me about meditation is that meditation's like an emotional immune system, right? It's very similar, like we can cut ourselves and blood will clot. We can break bones and bones will heal. We can have emotional scars and emotional wounds and we can use meditation practice, right? And these types of things for healing. We have a built-in mechanism to heal. We're given that gift of the potential of healing. So those are the other noble truths. So we start with the first noble truth, but we have our second and third and fourth noble truths which say there is a path out of suffering. There is a cause that can be known, a cure that can be known, and there are tools and practices that we can engage in and healing can occur. All of this to say that this happens from present moment awareness. The deeper the present moment awareness, the greater the gift the past will unveil to you and the greater the gift you can create the future into, right? So we can create and heal by a deep awakening into present moment. So today, I want to really take a deeper slice of the onion, so to speak, and go into the past, right? I want to talk about a couple things in the Dharma that we use to heal from the past using present moment insights. So I don't know how much I'll get of this today, so next week we'll finish up, so we'll just see. Um, but the three things I do want to talk about today and next week are going to be karma, not-self, and equanimity, or acceptance. So these are three parts of the Dharma that we use where we develop them in present moment awareness, but it gives us insight into how we can heal from the past. So I want to talk about karma first. And I'm just going to talk about karma in its very simplest form, causality. That's all I mean when I say it this evening. Karma is causality, cause in effect. On the night of the Buddha's awakening, the story, so it goes, said that the Buddha had a deep insight into causality. That is the cause of suffering and the cause of happiness. The big insight was, oh, I understand the cause of suffering. So therefore, I understand the cause of happiness and I can free myself from this suffering. So causality, the cause of happiness and cause of suffering, is a part of the Dharma. Now, we tend to suffer when we misunderstand the cause of suffering. When we misunderstand the karma of suffering and the karma of happiness, we tend to suffer greatly and we tend to suffer from things in the past. So I'm going to explain what this means. Oftentimes what we do is we mislocate the suffering. What we say is something happened in the past that caused my current suffering. Past caused present, right? That's a causal connection. So this is a mislocation 
of the pain. The past may have caused a situation, but our response to that situation is what causes the dukkha. And the current continuing suffering that we experience is happening right here, right now, not in the past at all. It's happening in the present moment recreation of the event. It's coming from the present moment qualities of our heart and mind. As long as we look at the past as the bearer and cause of the pain, we separate ourselves from its true cause, which is present moment heart and mind qualities, what we're doing right here, right now. This becomes a challenge because when we locate our suffering in the past, it's very disempowering. It's very disempowering when we say the past person, the past event caused my pain. Because what it does is it says, I am giving up my power to change. I am giving up my role in shaping this experience. What you end up doing is you give the keys to your freedom to the past. You give the keys to your joy to some person or some event. And it's very difficult to heal because you have the ability in the present moment to change your relationship with that past experience and to end the suffering. So there's a disempowerment when we latch onto the past as the cause of our suffering. And we forget that in between that event and now, our heart and mind has been processing, reflecting, grieving, reimagining, right? We do these things over and over again, and this happens in the present moment. So changing our relationship to the past, acknowledging that we are involved in the process of dukkha allows us to take back our power. It allows us to be empowered to heal, to be empowered to change. If we have the cause of our pain in the past, then we are dependent on that person or that event or that circumstance to be responsible for our healing. And who knows if that person, event, or situation is ever going to come around to fix us, right? So it's really important that in the context of the Dharma, one of the great things about karma and present moment awareness is we begin to realize that in the present moment is where the suffering that was initiated in the past is being held. It's being held right here in the present moment, and we can change the way we relate to it, which means we can heal, right? And the freedom to heal is in our power. We are empowered to do the healing, right? We don't give away our power to the past. We, in the present moment, make ourselves empowered to do the change. A couple examples of what this looks like, right, in real life. We've all had this experience. <laughs> we all had this experience. So grudges and resentment. Grudges and resentment are examples of putting our pain and disempowering ourselves and putting the responsibility somewhere in the past. So a grudge, so let me just first do this. I'm not the only one who's done this. So ever held a grudge, hands up? Anyone held a grudge before? Okay, now keep your hands up. Are you good at it, holding a grudge? Anyone really good at holding a grudge? Yeah, so I'm really great at this, right? I come from a, a long line of grudge holders. And um, so I have been trained and appoint formally appointed and I've received transmission and how to hold grudges. So it's intergenerational. I'm really good at it. 
and I can be stubborn as anyone you'll ever meet. If it wasn't for the the Dharma, I'd be just grudging all the time. So holding a grudge is a type of relationship with the past, right? And so whenever you're holding a grudge, I want you to consider that there's something going on with your understanding of causality and karma, okay? We want to look at this grudge here. Now, I want to acknowledge first that grudges aren't also bad. So there is adaptive reasoning why human beings hold grudges. Part of the reason we hold grudges is because it tells the other person, I'm setting a boundary, right? I'm not going to talk to you. I'm really pissed at you. Your behavior is unacceptable. So part of this naturalness of grudges is you're putting down a boundary where you're saying, hey, you're not doing that again. That's not healthy for me. So that's that's part of the reason. And that part is the okay part. But we don't just do that. We hold on to it, right? Sometimes we hold grudges for years, for lifetimes, right? So the thing with the grudge is that once it gets past serving you as a healthy boundary, now it's negative. And studies show that those of us who hold grudges for a longer period of time, heightened stress in the nervous system, more prone to anxiety and depression. So holding a grudge is just not healthy overall, psychologically. Now, initiating it as a boundary, definitely okay. Very natural response to say, hey, I'm going to hold this grudge. It's letting go of the grudge. That's where the healing takes place. So holding the grudge often is related to this idea that the other person is responsible for the pain. And so we keep trying to push away the past thinking the past holds the pain. Past doesn't hold the pain. The past holds the initial event. The present moment holds the pain. The grudge isn't doing anything about the past, right? So when we're holding a grudge, we're oftentimes trying to keep the pain in the past, thinking it's there versus acknowledging that the pain is right here. And that other person who may have done something is does not hold the keys to your freedom, does not hold the keys to your healing. That happens here in the present moment. So that's one way we look at causality. We think that the pain is there, so we, we keep it at bay. Another aspect of this is resentment. All of us have had this experience before. Resentment, right? Resentment, by its nature, comes from a bitterness that develops from rehashing the event. Ever notice, like you might say, oh, I've grown to resent this person, or my resentment has been building for a while, right? Resentment is a building of something that happens in the present moment because of something that happened in the past. Resentment is a reenacting of the past. You think about what they did to you and you're like, oh, that's right. And you start having that sense of bitterness, the sense of resentment. Resentment, again, is a way of taking that past and giving it power, right? And really giving it leverage on your healing. That's why we always encourage ourselves in healing modalities to let go of grudges and to let go of resentment. But we first have to know why we're doing it, right? And why it's there. So resentment is a buildup, right? It's a buildup in the present moment of fantasizing and thinking through having been wounded. And so we take the pain, which is already gone, already happened, and we keep reliving it in the present moment. Lucky for us, the present moment gives us access to that and we can let go. We can let go of that reenactment. 
So grudges and resentment are key signs that we have forgotten where the pain in our experience lies. The event was the initial or proximate cause, but the dukkha is being caused here from the grudging and the resenting. Another aspect of this is um, revenge fantasy, right? Someone hurts us, we had an experience we didn't like, could be an institution, person, situation, circumstance. We often fantasize of getting even. Human heart loves to do this, right? Human heart loves to think back at somebody that wronged us and think that we could do something or something would bad happen to them. So again, we're looking at the past and we're giving the past the power because we're like, oh, the pain is back there. So if I could just get even with that past thing, I can be free. Doesn't really work because the pain isn't happening there. It's being generated in the present. But there's something good about the fantasy. If you think about it, when we rethink through wanting to get even, we're taking back control, right? We get to be in control. We get to have the power, right? We get to have the self-esteem that might have been taken away from the event. So revenge fantasy, not uncommon. You know why there's so many movies that have revenge in it? Because the heart and mind love to fantasize about getting even for wrongs that have been done, right? It's natural, right? It's natural. It's a part of the healing to be able to do that. I would invite you to consider as meditators, anytime you notice the grudging, the resenting, or that revenge loop that goes on, think in terms of like, where am I looking at the pain? Remember that there was a proximate cause that happened then, but now in the present moment, I have the ability to co-create an experience and heal. I want to take back my power versus empowering the past by presuming that the pain is from there and locked there. And it takes time, like I said earlier. It takes patience and courage and perseverance. But the Dharma really allows us to look at these things in our heart and mind and do some incredible healing. The one thing I really like about the Dharma in this regard versus, say, Western psychotherapy is this idea of karma, of locating the cause of suffering in the present and really looking at letting go of these habits that we're doing in the present that keep it locked away, that keep the cause hidden away over here in the past. One other example of this that I really, really like is, have you ever noticed that you might be in a state where there's been some broken trust in a relationship and you really want someone to apologize? right? It's like they didn't apologize and you want them to apologize. And if they would only apologize, you would feel better. And then they do apologize, but, but you don't feel better, right? It's a very interesting thing. So again, apologies have an adaptive significance. Apologies are designed for us socially to mend a relationship so we can trust each other again. The person apologizes, which tells us, okay, they know they hurt me, and they're saying, I would like a future relationship with you. And that gives you an opportunity to mutually build that broken bridge. So the apology is kind of like how we build a bridge again when there's been harm between people, right? It's a sociological thing that we do. Anyway, so you got this apology. But what's interesting is that the person may have had proximate cause to your discomfort, right? They may have done something, said something. But the pain is being held in the present moment by how you're relating to it. So they apologize and the pain doesn't go away because they're not causing the pain. 
The absence of apology isn't causing the pain. The pain is being caused by our heart-mind qualities interacting with this past memory in the present moment. So that's why when someone apologizes, sometimes you're like, huh, that didn't feel as good as I was hoping, right? It didn't feel so good. Or you have the revenge fantasy and something does happen to that person who hurt you and it doesn't feel as good as you thought. That's because the pain is not in the past. The pain is not being held by that person. Pain is being held here in the present moment by our responses and our reactivity. And it's good news. It's good news because we can be empowered to heal by really accurately locating where is the dukkha. The dukkha is always in the present moment. Pain may have initially been caused in the past, but the the dukkha, that second arrow, always being generated in the present. So locating the pain where it really is, hugely important for healing. The deeper the present moment experience, the clearer you'll be able to see this in your life. The clearer you'll be able to see it in your heart and mind, and the greater healing you'll experience from discomfort that's happened previously. So that's, that's karma, right? That's karma. That's causality and suffering. Now, the other one I wanted to remind you of is not self. To me, this is hugely helpful when healing from the past. And again, I love this because it's so unique to Buddhist psychology, right? You don't really have not self concept heavy in Western psychotherapy. So as we know, not self on one level, on a very superficial level, really means that our sense of I, I making and my making, this sense of I am this, I am feeling that, right? Is a process, not a thing. The self arises and passes away moment to moment. Every moment a new self is arising. Every moment a new emotion, a new sense of body, a new mood, a new thought. The self is constantly changing. It's impermanent. So there isn't a self, it's more selfing, right? We go through life with this selfing. Now, it's hard to see because in the moment, it really feels like there's a solid eye in here, right? Looking out, feeling from the heart, seeing through the eyes, hearing through the ears. So we get this illusion that there's this thing inside us, right? I feel hurt. I feel frustrated. With deeper meditation, we begin to see that those experiences are actually very malleable. They're very ephemeral. They're arising and passing away moment to moment. So here's why I would invite you to consider when you're dealing with the past and you're trying to heal from pain. What you need to remember, and this is the great wisdom of of Buddhism, is that the person that was injured is not the same person that's sitting here in this room tonight. I had trauma in my past. The person that sits with you right here didn't experience that. A different self experienced that. A self with a different heart. A self with a different mind. A self with different skills and different supports. A self with different sense of the world. It was a younger self, right? The self that sits here now is a different self than the one that experienced the quote-unquote pain or trauma or event in the past. Right now, you have more strength than you have had in the past. You are more resilient than you've been in the past. You've got new tools, different perspectives. You've grown since those events happened. So the person here now thinking about it is awake and ready 
to adapt and be resilient and to heal, even though the person back then, the self back then, couldn't, wouldn't, and was not able to for whatever the reasons may be based on whatever past hurts you're, you're thinking of. It's really helpful to remember that the person we are now, and when we are remembering the past, we're remembering the past from new eyes. A brand new self can now look at that past experience and engage it, interpret it, and heal from it in a way that's never been possible before. We have an incredible opportunity to get well in the present moment because there's a new self here in the present that can take on that past experience. We're not the same vulnerable person we were when those experiences happened. That's the real power of not self. I remember a Zen monk once said, someone had asked him, what is the, the great, I don't know, great beauty or greatest part of enlightenment? And he said, I get to be whatever self I want in the present moment. There's all these selves to choose from. I can be any self that I want. That is freeing, right? The self we are in this room is not the same self that initially had that pain. That is a huge opportunity for healing and growth and transformation. So remember, different self every moment. Different self now. Different self in the past. Different self by the time you end this sit tonight as well. The last idea I wanted to mention in terms of the past is equanimity. Our dear friend equanimity, otherwise known as letting go, right? If there's any friend along this path, equanimity is like right there hand in hand with us. Like from the very moment we learn to meditate, the teacher's going to say, let go. Be equanimous with what arises and passes away in the present moment, right? The first word we learn as Dharma students, mindfulness. The second word, equanimity or letting go. So letting go, we can never underestimate or overestimate how powerful letting go can be. And that is why it's a quality of enlightenment. It's one of the enlightenment factors for that reason, because it is an incredible quality and potentiality in the human heart and mind, especially when dealing with the past. Now, for those of you who heard the Dharma talk a couple weeks ago about the relationship between present and past, you'll remember I said that what we're changing here is relationship. The Dharma is about changing the relationship we have to ourselves and to others. It's changing the relationship to the pain. It's changing the relationship to the future. So sometimes it's easy to get confused. What are we actually letting go of? So some people will say, oh, just let go of the pain. Just let go of the past. Let go of the memory. So I want to clarify that because that can be really misleading. I would encourage you to look at it more this way in, the, in terms of real dharma. What we're really letting go of is the way we're participating in remembering the past. Past is gone, right? What we're really doing that's keeping the pain is we're participating in the memory. So what we're really letting go of is ways that we're remembering, the ways that we are engaging, right? Think of it in terms of what I was saying earlier about resentment and grudge holding. A grudge is a relationship with a past event. We don't let go of the past per se. We let go of the grudge, right? Which is the change in the relationship. So what we're really letting go of is a relationship that we have with this past event that's causing us suffering now. We are in relationship to the memory of this event. Change the relationship and change the heart, change the mind. So what we're really letting go of is how we're interacting 
how we're showing up, what role we're playing. That's what we're really letting go of. So you really want to ask yourself, there's this event. Well, how am I processing it? How am I interpreting it? How am I, how am I remembering it? That's where we want to let go. That's the part we take into mindfulness. That's where we dig in and use deep samadhi, right? Concentration to really lean in to the dukkha and say, oh, I'm going to change this relationship. I am a different self. And this new self is going to plant seeds of awakening and joy by changing my relationship with this past experience. So we let go of the relationship that we have. We build a new relationship. We change the way we're participating and we show up differently. And that's where the real healing begins to happen. All of this understanding causality, where the pain happened, where that second arrow is actually happening, locating the suffering in the moment, understanding that we're constantly growing and changing, that we are not the same self that have the experience. We are a different self with Dharma tools and Dharma wisdom and remembering that we are in relationship to the past and we can let go of an old relationship and build a new one. Karma, not self, equanimity. All of these are developed as qualities in the present moment. But as we develop this present moment awareness, it awakens us to being able to heal from the past, which means our future is now wide open so we can plant seeds of awakening there, right? It's now a wide open canvas. We can do what we want, right? Our past is no longer destined to be in the future because with deep present moment awareness, we have now used the tools of the Dharma to heal. And that's how the past, present, and future are interconnected with these tools. I think I will stop there. Yay, on time, shorter Dharma talk, woohoo. Thank you so much. I am so delighted to spend this time with you. Really, it's so lovely. If you find value in this and you're not giving monthly, please toss a few bucks into the Donable. The link is there. Um, next week, we will move into the future. <sighs> Other than that, thank you again for coming. May you be free from suffering. Thank you so much for donating your heart and mind to this evening. So delightful. May you be safe and may you be well. And may your days be filled with joy and well-being. I'll see you next week.